1: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all around hiring guru. And you know, I, I want to bring you topics that I hope you find helpful, not just the mundane topics about careers, like not mundane, bad choice of words, not just the usual topics like resume writing and how to optimize your LinkedIn. I want us to go much, much deeper in our conversations that we have so that you can truly get the most out of your career and be totally fulfilled and follow your passion every single day. And so today I have a really special guest. I think you're really going to enjoy him, Dr. Rob Kelly. So I'd like to introduce Dr. Rob Kelly, recovery expert and founder of Rob Kelly Recovery Group. Dr. Rob Kelly has over 20 years of expertise in helping people just like you, Harness the power of your brain to make positive and lasting changes in your life and the lives of those around you. At Rob Kelly Group, they focus on healing the body, mind, and spirit of their clients. They are constantly reminding their clients that the real problem is our limited thinking. Hello, haven't we talked about this a ton? Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Rob.
0: Thank you, Casey. Great to be here. Looking forward to this one, guys.
1: I am super, super excited. Normally I start off with how we got connected, but this was one of those just fate connections because one of your assistants actually found our podcast, saw another Dr. Rob that we had on the show, Dr. Rob Bell, who I love. Um, He's a sports coach. And um, she was like, this is, you've got to have Dr. Rob Kelly on your show. This is perfect for him and I was like and looking at your bio I was like oh this could be interesting this is something we've not talked about before
0: yeah Yeah. and it's needed to be talked about so yeah this is going to be the best
1: podcast ever guys
0: <laughs> sit back relax
1: and I and I think what you just said it is needed um, and it has always been needed but I think it's needed now more than ever with what we've gone through with the world being broken and you know the addiction rate and I'm sure you have those statistics has just gone through the roof I and mean, mm-hmm. we are seeing more suicides as well because of that so could you share a little bit about your story because um, you overcame addiction yourself correct
0: correct yeah I was uh... I was a chronic alcoholic and I liked drugs too. That's what I usually say. started drinking at the age of nine years old, on stage with a musical family, my musical family, and things kind of took off from there. I'm a great believer that alcoholics are born and drug addicts are made. Anybody confused about that? Maybe we'll get into that later, but you know, addiction is addiction. And finally, uh, I lost my children and my wife and my car and my license to practice and my houses and, and became homeless. And I was on the streets for 14 months back in Manchester, UK, just in case you're thinking I'm from Texas, I live in (laughs) Texas now, but yeah, horrible, horrible, horrible time. But I remember saying to myself, if I ever got off the streets, I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping addicts, alcoholics and their families and bringing more information into the workplace because it's the most misunderstood disease around. And I think by educating more people better understanding percentage rates go up straight away.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, and your journey played a pivotal role in propelling you towards your success today um, that you've achieved in your career. So you said you were homeless. You said that you were, you know, lost pretty much everything. You would hit what was your rock bottom. I understand that to be different for everybody, right? Um, But that sounded like was yours. How did you pull yourself out of that to get to where you, back to where you are today?
0: Well, you have have to remember this little statistic that 97% of people who end up homeless in Manchester, England die on the streets. So there's only 3% of us that got off. But I had what was called a spiritual variance on the streets where I, I, I wasn't religious or nothing. I just happened to, you know, break down one morning and I looked up to the sky and said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. And and 15, 20 seconds later, a guy came around the corner and, and the rest is history. But you know, when I did get off, and the crazy thing is Casey is even when I'm sleeping in the bushes, when people are spitting at me, throwing full diapers at me when I was unconscious, the kids, I always knew that somewhere, somehow, I would amount to something that would change the world pertaining to addiction. I just always knew that. So I have fought aggressively when I got off the streets finally uh, to do what I do today. And it's been a hard and lonely journey because my theory has been tried and tested scientifically and medically. Our program is uh, almost 100% success, rate, unheard of in the industry. We're the only company that offers a money back guarantee if you relapse. So all these crazy things that the world can't come to terms with are suddenly coming to terms because there is a solution. But first of all, we need to understand what we're up against. And people don't.
1: I don't think they do. And I don't know if I shared this with you in our initial um, conversation, but you know, I grew up with an alcoholic father. And so. I witnessed addiction and drug addicts, very light on the drug addict side. Um, He was a Vietnam vet and he had post-traumatic stress syndrome and his way of escaping the nightmares was drinking till he didn't have nightmares. And so we did not, and there were two of us, two of my sisters and myself, but we, mom was really good at hiding it, you know? And then one day dad takes us to Al-Anon and I'm like, why am I here? You know, I had no idea. Yeah. Time. It can be confusing. Yeah. And that's when, you know, I was probably about 12 years old when that happened. And the, you know, the, and, and my dad has not drank since that day. So, I mean, wow. yeah, he's been sober a very, that's, that's very, good. very long time. And so, and again, it's
0: education with the children. People ask me all the time, Casey, how young should I be telling my children that there's addiction in the family? And I say between the ages of four and nine. Let's, you know, they're very resilient, you know, the more we educate quickly, and then we give people a choice. I never knew there was alcoholism in my family. I might have been a bit more careful around it. I don't know. But back in my day, I was born in 61. People didn't use the words like alcoholic or drug addict. It's just like, oh, grandfather liked to drink. Well, I know what that means today. It means, granted, was a chronic alcoholic and they had to cover up and lie for him. That's what they meant. So yeah, better understanding and and, and better care. And and, you know, even in the the workplace is the worst because you get one or two chances, then you're out. I can categorically tell you that every single person that works for me is a recovered alcoholic or addict because they are the best people in the world to have on, on your work. They never lie. They're always punctual. Their heart is always in it. But we have to go through this struggle first. And the guys that survive that turn out to be amazing human beings. So I always say, you know, the guys that looked down on me when I was homeless, I probably came up amongst your daughters or grandsons when I was teaching them to stay sober. You just never know, you know, where this addiction. So if you sat at home and listen to this guys and you think that you're never going to amount to anything and you know, alcoholism is your only journey. First of all, I want to apologize to you because somebody's put that there. You are worthy. You can get over this. It's all about different perspective. If you want that better job, you can get it. You can get it. And I, I always say that to people, you know, like 10 years ago, they always used to say the smart ones, well, I can't be president of the United States. Let's forget the political views for a second. We had a business running the country. Don't dare tell me that you can't do anything that you want to do. It's just not true.
1: No, it absolutely isn't. And, and I'm curious though, let's say that you encounter some, I'm gonna ask you two questions here. You, you you have a coworker that you suspect might have a problem. How would you recommend that one approach them with, and let's say that we're not doing this to be mean, we're doing this because we're genuinely concerned about our coworker. What steps it's would you amazing.
0: take? It's amazing. Everybody knows somebody who suffers from, suffers from drug and alcoholism, And everyone does. And if you don't, it's probably you. So the first thing I always say is, hey, my friend or me in my case, but my uncle suffered from alcoholism. You know, I can see some signs in you. Just start that friendly dialogue because every alcoholic and addict wants a friend to understand because many people don't. So that first helping, and then, you know, once you start talking about it, get some help guys. You cannot do this on your own. Now there's a huge difference between alcoholism and abusers of alcohol. One was born. One drinks too much alcohol. One was born alcoholic, alco- you know, alcohol abuser. So we need to find out that straight away. And, you know, uh, alcoholism is a predisposition. It's passed down from generation to generation, okay? I'm allergic to the ethanol in alcohol. Three parts of my brain as an alcoholic differ from every other addiction out there. Every other addiction. There's a part of my brain called a hypothalamus that tells normal people and me to a certain degree at the beginning to drink water, eat food. It's a survival part of the brain. At a certain point, and we're still studying this, the the hypothalamus turns around to the alcoholic and tells him to drink alcohol only. That's why we can go days or weeks without food or water. So guys at home, please understand that this is 30 years of research, testing, trying psychologically, in labs, in hospitals. Yet this is proven with, with my research. So we can't blame the alcoholic and go, hey, you should stop this because you're hurting your kids. It's like we don't have a choice. And it's really important that we understand that. And, and our and our basal ganglia is broken. Our repetition strength and confirms of learning anything. It's broken. So you'll see many alcoholics, you know, get sober, you know, they they get the car back, the kids back, the wife back, they get a new job, and then bang, for no reason at all, they'll bring all that stuff crumbling down and then. And if you ask them why, give me one reason, you wouldn't be able to give you a thousand excuses, it's because that part of the brain self-sabotage. We need to heal that part of the brain for permanent recovery.
1: That, I have never heard it explained like that before. Yeah. And so the abuser has the choice.
0: The abuser has the choice. Or if the doctor warns him, listen, Mr. Johnson, if you don't give up alcohol, you're going to die. He can stop or moderate. But the alcoholic, no, 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 no. You know, you can't drink yourself into becoming an alcoholic. This is one of the biggest myths around, Casey. Like, oh, Jimmy next door, he drinks every day. He must be an alcoholic. That's not true. Ten, 20 DUIs or DWIs do not make you an alcoholic. A warning from the doctor, it doesn't make you an alcoholic. Sit down, guys. Hold on to the side of the seat a second and listen to this. Alcoholism is the only self-diagnosed illness in the world. Like just drop my mic and walk off the stage. That's exactly, right. and people don't understand that. And they've never heard it. It's like, where have you been? It's like, oh, we've been here for 30 years, but we only work you know, with selected people because, uh, because of who we are. I, lo- I love my company. We work with A-listers, movie actors, football, all of them. 25% of our company's problem. So we give back. And that's another part of my story. I have to be giving back to people. I have to be giving money, I have to be giving, you know, time at work, my own time. Otherwise, I know where I'm going, Casey, and I think you know as well. We always have to be giving back.
1: I, I love that you just said that because I'm a huge proponent of give backs and giving value first. Um, I'm a, I am ai live, I don't know if you've read this book or not, The Go-Giver. Oh, yes. Brilliant. It's, so, Bob yes. Berg's been on the show, um, but that is my philosophy for life. I live by those five rules. It's <laughs> so important. Um, you know, in the event that I was at this morning, it's a premier relationship building organization that I run. That is our whole motto. You know, that's one of the rules for membership is you've got to be a giver you've, and honor your commitments. So it's really interesting that you just said that. And I really appreciate that you do that. Um, one of your personal mottos is stepping out of the <coughs> disease and into the solution. And I, and, and I really like that. And so when we're talking about now that you've explained it, we're talking about true alcoholism, not abusers, right? So we're yes. stepping out of the disease into the solution. Can you share with me a little bit about your journey that helped you to fully embrace this empowering slogan?
0: Well, part of my day is I lived in that disease. I lived that lifestyle. I went to 12 step meetings. I called myself alcoholic. I did all this crazy stuff that reminded me every day. So when I got into the neuroscience behind what the mind is capable of doing, as well as the brain, neural pathways, you know. Prefrontal cortex, decision makers, amygdala, basal ganglia, you know, the interior single cortex. When I realized the part that these the brain plays and how the mind sits inside the brain, so have you ever heard the sentence mind over matter, the brain's matter, you know, how we can really change our lives? It was like step away from that disease because people want to concentrate. Is if we can just stop drinking, Rob, or if you can just stop taking drugs for your children, everything's gonna be okay. Alcohol has 1% to do with alcoholism and the same with drug addiction and the same with any addiction. The problem is, is deficiency in the body and lack of oxygen, serotonin, and um, dopamine. That's the normal addictions that you have out there. There is a deficiency. We cannot pass illnesses down. Yeah. You know, oh, my grandfather, heart disease, and my mom had heart problems and I have heart problems that that's. That's not true. It's scientifically proven that 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 doesn't happen. What happens is that it is a deficiency where the body in certain foods cannot spin it, like crude oil when we turn it into petrol. It can't turn it round so we can use that field. So what happens from that deficiency comes heart disease, becomes inflammation, becomes arthritis. And people don't understand that. It's like, we can change that. It's called uh, methylation, If if we don't, methylate some of the stuff that we eat every single day, then we are going to be prone to certain. obviously, obviously it's interior body where it functions at, but we are prone to certain diseases and we think it's passed down from generation to generation impossible. The only thing that could pass down generation to generation is a measurement where a child can get depression from or dad or learn behavior, the things we learn inside their house. So again, my knowledge of all of that turned everything around for me. And, and turn this into a belief that anybody can recover and get their life back. You know, they really can. And, uh, I've worked with over 8,000 patients over the last 25, 30 years, 97% of them have recovered, got back into the movies, made that record again. You know, the CEOs, the, the, the road cleaners have got back to whoever they are. I've got back to normal life because it's all about how, what do I know about this? If I had cancer, I'd want to know everything about it, how it was created, blah, blah, blah. With alcoholism, people don't really want to know. Like, let's say any illnesses in the body, any cancers, inflammations, any arthritis start in the body in a hypoxic area. That means there's no oxygen. That's where these diseases are created. When oxygen is present equals the absence of disease. You see, we only breathe 25% of our lung capacity. 25% only. So we only operate on 40 to 60% of our capabilities. When we do our breath work in the morning, 30 times in the morning, 30 times in the afternoon, our body's flooded with the oxygen for every cell in our body. When that happens every day, two or three times a day, no cancers, growth, inflammation, arthritis can go any further Than they already have. Because when oxygen's present, nothing bad can grow in the body. Check it out, guys. Google it. I know you're thinking crazy.
1: So I am a big believer in meditation and breathing, but is that like more of a Wim Hof breathing style that you just did? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah. And he has lots of those.
1: Yeah. And he's really (coughs) big on those big, boisterous breaths.
0: Exaggerated breaths. Try try 10 tomorrow, guys. Try to. As much as you get in, exaggerate that breath in and out. Do 10 in the morning, hold on to something because you will go dizzy, you're supposed to. If you don't, you're not doing it right. And let me know how your day goes. You can gotta is... find me, you know where I am. It's yeah. unbelievable.
1: Is that why we see, because don't divers do that too? They like hyper oxygenate in swimmers? Yes,
0: yes, all the time. I mean, the only reason why guys, that you feel get, uh, good going to the gym or you get that high going running, call run runner's high. It's not because of are running and not because of the weights in the gym, it's because of this in between sets. Because <laughs> we're getting oxygen Most people set that first cigarette in the morning, they go, I need that first cigarette. Now what you're taking in is, taking the oxygen. So one of the reasons that nobody ever has woken up laughing from sleep, no one's woken up laughing because lack of oxygen. So when you get that oxygen in the morning, you're setting yourself up for the day and you're training the mind that today is gonna to be an amazing day. When you do that, how can you have bad days? You can't have bad days. Now you can have better days than others, we all know that, but you know, just set yourself up for the day. Because if you think you're not gonna achieve anything, guess what, you're not gonna achieve anything. If you think you are gonna achieve something, then you will achieve something. It's just, you know, law of attraction kind of thing.
1: Absolutely, and I totally agree with that. I mean, there's so much science behind you know, what you focus on grows, right? So if you want to focus on the fact that you're a victim, well, guess what? Your brain's going to show you all the ways you're a victim and you're not ever going to get out of that. Totally agree with you on that. What are some other tactics that you use to help change people's mindset from, you know, the fear and abandonment and shame, you know, into more of a growth mindset? You
0: have to remember, guys, that the guilt and shame is not yours to carry. I don't care what you've been through, I don't care how bad your family was or anything else, it's not yours to carry. I don't care if you're an alcoholic or not, it's not yours to carry. So once we get that away and we clear the child of trauma up, we call it going back to the scene of the crime where that stuff happened through no fault either, molestation, you know, violence in the house, whatever it was that molded your brain to go forward and become that person. A girl in the house with father drinking every night beating up mom violently, will marry the guy that ends up drinking every night and beats you up. That's just the way it is. You have to change that. So I'm gonna give you four things right now that'll change your neural pathways tomorrow if you follow these and your life will change for the better. If it doesn't, find me, message me, I'll send you $100 for wasting your time. First thing we do when we get up, let's get that breath in, guys. Let's take 10 deep breaths in, out, exaggerate, out. I want you to do that first thing in the morning. Then I want you to walk to the bathroom and I want you to look in the mirror eye to eye and say, I love you. Mm-hmm. Let's clear that subconscious brain when all the bad is and bring us into the conscious brain. I love you, I love you, I love you. Looking at yourself, it's very hard to begin. After you've done the 10, if you're right-handed, I want you to brush your teeth with your left hand for a week, then back to the right and back to the left for a month. We can't. Week off. I need you to do that. If your uncle Jimmy's up there, God, Buddha, spirit of the universe, whatever it is, energy, I want you to say something every morning like listen, and thank you for keeping me alive, it's gonna be a great day today, amen. Or whatever your little prayer is, your day will change from tomorrow. I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Because that's how we change our lives, and it's one, one small step at a time that uses into big. Again, if you think you're gonna have a great day, you are going to have a great day. People say to me all the time, Casey, they go, oh, I've had a real bad day today. And my answer is always the same. Was it really a bad day? Or was it five minutes that you spun on all day? It's usually about five minutes.
1: That is huge. That is huge. One of the things that I like to do, um, and, and I'm a, I, I have a very, not rigid, but a routine that I follow every morning. Breathing's part of it. Um, Not like that though, but I'm going to start that tomorrow. I'm going to try those four things. But I also like to list out my gratitude in the morning. And then I do it again at night so that I book in my day with gratitude. And it's really hard to be in a bad mood if you start your day with gratitude. But something else I do every morning is I write down how I feel at that moment. And I'm honest with myself if I'm if I'm feeling mad or sad or lonely or whatever, I write that down. And then I get to look at that and decide: is this where I want to be today? Mm. I get to make a decision right then and there mm. if that's how I'm gonna choose to feel moving forward.
0: I love that. You're priming that mind to feed mm. the brain of that good stuff. All my guys write ten resentments out on nighttime, ten fears, ten gratitude. Write them out what you're grateful for what you're fearful of and what you resent, get them out every single night. There is something when you say out loud, I resent this, and then you write it down as a correlation between the head, the pen and the paper. Once it goes down, you can see it and you can't change it in your mind because your mm-hmm. mind will always want to change it. And the brain like, wasn't really that bad. Or yeah, da, da, da. it's like when you write it down, it becomes real. So I, I love that, Casey. Absolutely. So I,
1: I have a question for you about that practice. When you're having your uh, clients do this, do you insist that they actually write it down?
0: 100%. It's been proven in the past that pen to paper is the best way to do it. And if you want something to happen, like the, even the Bible, God said, he didn't, he didn't go, he didn't imagine, God said, he verbalized it to, you know, out and then write it down. Once the pen goes to paper, there's no denying it. Because I can say in my head, "Well, I'm grateful for this, 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 this," and twenty minutes later, I forgot all about it. Mm-hmm. Once it's wrote down, it can remind you throughout the day. You can't change that, and it's just a repetition, strength, and confirms part of the day that turns every day into an amazing day. And you just, if you do the same thing today as you did yesterday, you become stagnant. You have to do something new every day that steps a little bit out of that comfort zone where you are. Smile.